time to man up. Rise up, bro. Let's go. You're wasting time. Quit playing games. Uh-huh. Get, you know, get out of your own plan and get in God's plan. Welcome to the premium sermon podcast of the Potter's House Church in Virginia Beach, affiliated with Christian Fellowship Ministries. It's Testimony Tuesday, where you're going to hear a powerful testimony of God's grace revealed in human lives. Each Tuesday, you listen to Pastor Adam interviewing pastors from around the world to share the mighty miracles that God has done in their lives to give you hope for yours. We share the stories of the men behind the messages you hear every other day on this podcast. Thanks for supporting World Evangelism with your premium subscription and enjoy today's testimony. All right, and we want to welcome you back to Testimony Tuesday here in the VBPH Sermon Podcast. And uh, this is going to be our very last episode of the year, except for one grand finale that I have some more announcements about uh, toward the end of this episode. But uh, we are very blessed to have this uh, this last conversation of the year with uh, with a friend and for a fellow pastor, uh, pastoring in Pennsylvania, and his name is Trevor Coyne. Welcome to the show, show yes. sir. Thanks for having me, man, and excited. I know this is going to be the last uh, uh, normal one for the year, so <laughs> that's great. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Well, yeah. yeah. Better it better be good. No, I'm not just kidding. No, right, right. <laughs> Let God do that. <laughs> amen, amen. Well, yeah. yeah in, any salvation story is is worth hearing. So, amen. We appreciate your t- your time Absolutely. tonight. Sure, sure. Thanks. So, uh, so we we know each other a little bit uh, from a while back. We we were talking before the, the recording started. Uh, uh, nine years ago, you as a new convert came to Virginia Beach to help us with an impact team yeah. uh, from the place that you got saved, which was in Havelock, right. North Carolina. That's it. Yeah. So uh, a lot Pastor has changed Gary in the Mons. last. Yeah. That's right. That's before Pastor Scott Grabowska was there, and right. so that was uh, that was a, a good time back then. And so we got a chance to meet each other then. But you were just a young single uh, Marine back then. Something like that. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Like nineteen. What? Nineteen years old. Quite a few things have changed since then. So yeah. uh, uh, why don't you, for the sake of those who don't know you, uh, why don't you give yourself a little introduction and sure. uh, the conference-style testimony of what God is doing there. Uh, me and my wife, uh, we're in Pittsburgh, Pennsylvania. And so we so we took over the church. We started pioneering. Well, we started pastoring in May. Um, I pastor Jeff O'Brien now. Um, he, we actually basically released him, and he's re-pioneering. In, down in Washington, PA, about 45 minutes from us, um, part of like the other southwest of Pennsylvania. Um, and so my wife uh, is from Reading, PA, about four, four and a half hours east of here, uh, where she got saved in the Reading Church, um, which is a plant out of uh, Philadelphia, Upper Darby. Um, and so that's where we're at. That's what we're doing. <laughs> Well, that's pretty unique. Yeah. Uh, that you basically sent your pastor out and took over in his yeah, place. Yeah, well, yeah, not not literally, but yeah, 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 with yeah. Temp, the Tempe conference. Yeah, that's pretty cool. Well, I can't wait yeah. to figure out some more about that. Yeah. So, um, so since you took over, you said that was in May. May, yeah. Yep. So, yeah, how, how's it day. been going? It's good. So, um, you know, as a you know pastor now, it's like obviously there's a lot of the uh, the hurdles you learn, you know, things that, you know, you don't see until you're the man, right? You know, my pastor, I've been there with him this whole time. So like, um, you know, being the right hand man, I've just been through him thick and thin. He's discipled me and all the, the little details, right? So a lot of it wasn't, um, it's like, there's a lot of things that's like it, stuff I already had to deal with. Um, but there's certain elements that are fresh, right? So, um, you know, you have to make certain decisions and deal with people and, and, uh, and set the tone, set the pace and set the example. Right. And my pastor always did that for me. And I was always kind of, you know, just trying to keep up with him. And now it's me. And I'm like, man, I need to do more. Cause I, I gotta, you know, I still gotta like look at like my pastor, like he's still up there and like, I gotta, you know, and I chase him down. Um, and so, but it, it, it's been great. So kind of out the gate, we had a, we had like a spurt of revival. We had about 10, 11 people saved that first like two, three months. Um, yeah. It was really exciting, you know, and then like the next two, three months, like we didn't have anybody get saved. And you're like, whoa, like, 
was it just like beginner's luck kind of thing or, you know, but uh, it is, you know, the ebb and flow of life and the ebb and flow of the ministry, um, you know, and even just this last little bit, we've had a couple guys get saved, lock in, um, just had two guys baptized on Sunday. And oh, so, uh, yeah, it's just exciting. And uh, oh, man, yeah, that's very cool. Yeah. So, uh, yeah, there's a big difference between riding in the bus and then driving the bus. <laughs> yeah, oh, yeah. <laughs> that's one way to put it. <laughs> so you said you're, you're originally from uh, Philadelphia or Pittsburgh area. Yeah. Yeah. So Pittsburgh. So this is kind of like home to me. Um, okay. But I live in a part of the city that's like I didn't grow up in, but I lived down here as a little kid. And so it was kind of interesting, just kind of come back to this area again. But um, there's some roots where the church is at. My, you know, our church building actually used to be an electronics store that my dad used to shop at when he was oh wow 18, 22 years old. And so uh, just kind of the way the whole circle worked around. And uh, yeah, that's interesting. So so are. what was your what was your family life like and growing up and um the coin household, what, what was your experience? Mm. So the coin household, my dad, um, he, whenever I was five years old, moved to West Virginia, uh, moved in with a girlfriend that he had met and began dating. My, uh, my mom, I mostly grew up with up here in Pittsburgh. And so I had like a split life kind of bouncing between West Virginia and Pennsylvania. Uh, so I'd be with my dad every summer with my mom all school year and so i had like a step family uh, my stepdad dave and then my three stepbrothers and a half brother and so we had a five boy household growing up just always rambunctious crazy and i'm right in the middle i'm the middle of five a lot of testosterone oh yeah it was it was always something happening we always had friends staying over there was always at least the sixth kid somewhere um and so uh uh, I mean, good and bad, right? Because you learn how to be tough. You learn how to just, you know, make do. Um, and uh, you're, you know, even my dad kind of, you know, my dad was a, like a sound and lighting engineer when he was my age. And he always had me in bars as like a little kid. Like, and I was, I mean, he told me a story one time when I was four years old. He had this light board. So it was like a light mix board. And he had like all the little wires color coded and he just was telling me kind of how it worked and how to set it up. And he walked away from it and I came back and then he came back and I had, I had taken all 12 light wires and plugged them into the 12 colored switch outlets. But like, you know, for a four year old, he was like blown away that I could figure that out. And so, but uh, needless to say that part of uh, two different pieces to that is like one, like I'm, I'm in bars as a four-year-old, like that's not good. Uh, but B is my dad always had me around people. So I was kind of like um, kind of a people person. Um, and so, and then my household growing up with five boys and always having friends over, there's always a lot going on. She like, she's very quiet, you know, subdued, like, like she's fine being by herself all day. More extroverted versus introverted. Extrovert, introvert. Those are the words. Yeah. Yeah. I'm just nervous and shaking. Yeah, no no big deal. <laughs> the whole fellowship watching. No. But So yeah. so you uh you were pretty tight with your dad? Yeah, yeah. Even even with the, the distance, um like my dad actually helped my mom and pay for it, like to get a cell phone at, at a, with it at a young age. Like I was in sixth grade when I first got my first cell phone. And so that way I could talk to my dad as much as possible. And so my dad would, would call me like literally almost every night. And uh, even before that, whenever I was like in elementary school, my mom would always like, like, Hey, your dad's on the phone, hand me the phone. And I'd talk to him at least, I mean, I'd say like minimum four nights a week. I'd talk to my dad. Wow. So very close contact, even though he was four hours away and I only saw him maybe total of like 80 days a year. Um, you know, I still had him there growing up you know, most of my childhood, which was definitely a blessing to have. Um, you know, and I could definitely say that it, it, uh, it still built something into me to have a dad like that, where, you know, a lot of people, you know, broken and don't have that, you know? Yeah. And so, 
Well, that's that's pretty unique uh, in the situation of a of a divorce. Um, yeah. Know, to to continue having that good of a relationship with with especially with the dad that made his decision to to leave the family. Um, yeah. Uh, unfortunately, yeah, it's not of, always that good. Yeah, yeah, and it like and I guess I always had this this picture of how a divorce how the the, the divorce went. I had this picture like my mom sitting on a on a bar stool. It's all dark with like a single light, like my, like I have here with a single light shining on her. And in the midst of that is like my dad yelling at her. And like, that's probably not exactly how divorces go. But I always had that, that image, like whenever I understood, when, well, I was probably in sixth grade before I really understood what the divorce was about and how that works. But um, that's like the image I began to build of like what it was like, but uh, not exactly. Yeah. But um, I did find out my dad you know, just how messed up he was, you know, before he got saved. Um, but he was, uh, whenever I was being born, like the story goes, he was at the beach with another woman. Yeah. Like crazy. And so I didn't find that out until I was talking to my dad one night and my mom, and I was at my mom's like, this is literally like 2015. So after I was saved, you know, and I was just visiting home for, for the holidays and, uh, I was on the phone with my dad. My mom was there. So we're just talking. My, mo- my mom want- wanted to say hi to my dad. And, you know, they're cordial now and friends. And um, they start talking about the past and they bring up that story. And they're talking about it now, like all these years later. But like, and I'm hearing this. I'm like, what? <laughs> I was like, crazy. <laughs> you jerk. <laughs> <laughs> right. What How could you? Wait. Okay, well, <laughs> but it, I mean, it is powerful to just the, what the blood of Jesus can do and God's grace yeah. and forgiveness. Um, you know, and even just how, you know, people that that, you know, and I mean, the Bible says all good thing, all good gifts and all good things come from the father of lights. You know, it comes down from the father above. So even just the 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 forgiveness in my mom's heart to let it go and let the past be the past is just the miracle grace of God on her life to be able to, to forget and forgive. Right. To be able to, you know, have my dad as my, as the fa- as my father, to still be a friend, to still be cordial. Um, and now even, I could even just say that my mom and my dad, um, or I was going to say my, my, my mom and my stepdad. So my mom has been in a band for many years. And so she, uh, you know, and she still does that, I guess, but my dad and my stepmom would actually come, to my mom's shows and oh, they, would, wow. they would come and watch her perform, you know, in her band. <laughs> so I was like, okay, like, yeah. you know, whatever. So very unique. Well, it's, it, yeah. That's definitely not, not often the case. Uh, yeah. You have people that still care about each other and support yeah. one another. Yeah. So crazy, I guess so. you, if you gotta go, gotta be a, a kid of a divorced family, that's like best of all scenarios. I would guess. Yeah. 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 So yeah, uh, I let, let me go one more. Let me let me one up you. So then my my stepbrothers, and this is just I could say this is a testament even just in and me praying for my family over these last few years. My stepdad and his ex-wife, because he has three boys that they that he had with his ex-wife. Her and my mom with my stepdad, that she would come with us on family vacations. Oh, wow. <laughs> and so that's different, you know, the grace of God, even in that. Yeah. Right. And, um, and even more so, I mean, cause they, there'd still be issues. There'd be fights. Um, there'd be arguments every now and then, but I've seen God work on their hearts over time. And, um, you know, like my, her, like my stepbrother's mom, um, you know, she's even testified just how, you know, she knows, I mean, obviously not, I'm a pastor now, but even before just being a Christian and standing for truth, you know, times when people in the family, they're like, oh, you know what? Hey, uh, uh, I went to church and I, I prayed. It's like, oh, okay, praise God, you know, so I'll take it. Um, you know, when you need more than that, it can't be a one-time experience, but, um, you know, God's, you know, working on people. So. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Well, so, so all of a sudden you're, when your mom gets remarried and um, your stepdad uh, brings his three boys. And so it's like, all of a sudden you have this, uh, new family all around you. And that, that can be a major, um, adjustment. How old were you when she got remarried? Well, I guess two things. Um, so technically they're not remarried yet. 
and I used, I used stepdad. Um, so, but I was, f- uh, four when they, oh, okay. So pretty young when they connected. Yeah. 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 And so, um, my stepdad moved in, they had my little brother, Steven together like quickly. And so, uh, you know, part of the issue there is built, not built on a good foundation and there's still issues to this day because of that. Um, and so at the same time, it's actually a, a prayer that I have up before the focus fire out of Tempe where we're really contending for my mom and my stepdad to get saved and for them to Amen. really, and they've, they've both, you know, my stepdad has gotten saved a few times. He's prayed. Um, my mom thinks she's saved and, but for them to really surrender and to really get married, I actually had to deal with them. And, um, you know, I had some conversations about, you know, like if you're going to be in the church, if you want to do anything more, like you really need, you need to be married, you need to be right. And I, I sat down with them and had a talk uh, a few months ago, but, um, that was actually one of the big, one of those first big pastor things I had to do. Right. Oh, wow. Um, my mom <laughs> to have that dead. conversation with your yeah, mother, yeah, yeah, yeah. who's been so, together with, with him for, for 20 some years, what a 20 plus. Wow. Yeah. yeah that's yeah. So awkward. I'm still praying for that. And, um, but my mom's a blessing, you know, she's, you know, she would help with stuff at the church, but you know, she knows where I stand and I had to just bring it to light. Um, so, but yeah, I was four five whenever he okay. came into the picture and, um, like a lot of people in America today, right? That's like the norm, you know? And so the common law, well, listen, that's not common for God. So, so, um, when you, when you were growing up, did you, um, did you have any, uh, what you mentioned earlier, some, some religious background, but, uh, do you you remember what, what kind of, uh, I mean, did you guys attend church somewhere or, or what was your religious background? So whenever I was like 12, 13, my dad um, got invited to a Baptist church and his his buddy at the time, this is uh, the girl that my dad had chased down in West Virginia, found out she had cheated on him. And so he kicked her out. And so uh, I think I was like 10 at the time when that happened, 10 or 11. So my dad moved, got his own place. And then I would still go down there every summer to visit with him. And so shortly thereafter, he had a friend that he worked with. who invited him to church at a Baptist church. And he's like, Hey man, uh, you should come to church. He won. And, and you know, cause they at least preach the gospel. People get saved, right? There's a response. Yeah. So the guy wants to get my dad saved. And he's like, well, Hey man, there's a lot of pretty girls there. <laughs> he got him in good reason to come. <laughs> my, my dad, my dad got there. And my dad testifies that he never even looked for the girls after he walked in. He was never looking for a girl after he was in the doors. But at, at the altar call, he got saved, raised his hand, went up, prayed, got saved. Um, now, obviously, I mean, and to this day, I mean, my dad still argue a little bit because he, you know, the whole the Holy Ghost and praying in tongues, different things, because he's still Baptist in his theology. But, right. um, you know, my dad had, had an impact on me that I think, uh, you know, understanding who Jesus is, the foundation of salvation. Uh, you know, that got established in me as a teenager and I understood that. And there was seed that, that definitely flourished into who I am to, you know, to this day. You know, I went to a Baptist church camp those, you know, five summers after that. And, um, you know, and whenever I came into one of our churches, all of a sudden they had to tell me like about the Holy Ghost it was like, well, it's in the Bible and it's the book of Acts. You can read it right here. I was like, cool. If it's in the Bible, I'm good with that. <laughs> so right. you didn't, I didn't have to. You didn't have to untwist me, man. I was good. You know, I just had to learn. Um, but before that, though, then like my mom and my dad, I guess, are both Catholic. So I was baptized as a baby. But, you know, I think I was in a Catholic church maybe four times. Yeah. And uh, three of them. For, well, th- one was for my baptism. Three of them were, were for weddings. Right. And right. So, <laughs> so very. Uh, Not nominal. much other than that. Yeah. 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 <clears throat> So your dad had a real experience and got saved. And so did you, did you notice a difference in his life? Uh, I did. Um, I guess not back then as much um, other than the fact that we were going to church now. I mean, and I was, I guess I was really too young to even perceive or understand. I mean, 12, 13, I just knew I was going to church now. <clears throat> and um, yeah, I, I mean, I, 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 I see it all now, but mm-hmm. yeah, whenever I was, a teenager i didn't really understand 
necessarily prior and after. But so yeah. how did that play out with you? What what did you think about it, and how did you process that? You said there were some seeds planted that are still with you today. Um, what, mm. what were those seeds? Well, yeah, I, that's I just mean as far as the foundation of Jesus, you know, and salvation, understand, understanding you know, what the, the gospel you know, is, the basic, yeah, yeah, the cross and the forgiveness of sin, you know, through the blood. Um, so those basic principles, yeah. So you you understood that, but uh, but you didn't you didn't get saved at that time, did you? I mean, I I prayed a sinner's prayer, but I I lived a lot of it was surface deep, right? Okay, and so. Um, I pray a sinner's prayer, you know, 13 at the church camp. And I think I prayed it each year at the church camp because they, each year I got further into sin during the school year. And, um, I actually found in my, one of my notebooks from that church camp, I said, you know, I had written God, I don't want to go back to my old life. And I did. And I was worse Mm -hmm. every time I was worse than the time before. Like I got deeper into sin every time. You know, the point where I'm like 17 in high school, selling drugs, making my own drugs. Um, one of the go-to guys for certain drugs in, in my school. And uh, it was just, it was all bad, man. Like I was the guy throwing the parties at my house. And uh, it was just like, like, how do you, I don't like, I don't know how, it's just crazy. It's like, cause like the devil was working so hard to keep me from the destiny God had. And so it just, it still boggles my mind how like I could ha- have both play out. You know what I mean? Hmm. So, so those were the years between 13 and 17 that you were kind of going off the deep end. Yeah. So can you, can you describe a little bit more of uh, how you got caught up in that? Uh, was it the wrong people group or, uh, or you think that yeah, so you I was, got, got off track? I guess, um, I guess there's maybe an influence of, ha- of being from the divorce family with, uh, you know, a bunch of brothers that are different than me, but, you know, from a similar broken situation. Um, and so my parents, um, like my mom and my stepdad, and then my dad not being there, like we weren't, we weren't kids that were like necessarily um, guided step-by-step step in school or programs, different things. I mean, so, like we played baseball, but um, like in a mural, but like a lot of kids in like the school district I went to, like if you were, if you were like a, like a jock, well, then you're in this group. And so then you go hang out with that group of kids and then you go that direction with your life. And I found myself in a group of friends that like, we didn't have any like thing we did in school. We didn't have any aspirations from a a school structure standpoint. And so in sixth grade, you know, connected with these group of kids through seventh, eighth, ninth, and, you know, through, through uh, my senior year, I was in that group of kids that like didn't, you know, we weren't playing, we weren't in chess club. We weren't playing football. We weren't doing baseball. No, we were just hanging out, riding bikes. And then we were the kids starting to smoke cigarettes and drink and get high and now selling drugs and getting in trouble. And um, I mean, I, I, I did track and whatnot, but I was like smoking weed before I'd go, you know, to practice and whatever. Um, But yeah, it was just like, I guess that, you know, some of the background kind of played into the friend group I found myself in and then maybe um, not having my mom, and my, my stepdad or my my real dad having that step by step guidance. Because a lot of kids, if they get guided, like if I did, I did some intramural baseball, but had I had my dad here like training me in baseball and then like, you know, getting me on the school baseball team. OK, well, maybe I would have been in a, on a different track in school. You know what I mean? And that, that's not, there's no guarantees anywhere. I mean, there's kids that do stupid stuff in all sectors, but um, that's just kind of how it played out for me. Yeah. Okay. So did you have any, um, any dreams or aspirations for your life? What did you think you were going to do with your life? Um, ninth grade, whenever I was beginning high school and I'm thinking to myself, wow, like I'm in high school now, like I'm the big dog, but, I'm not the big dog. I need to look at the rest of my life as an adult. And the one thing I thought of is like join the military is, uh, you know, probably one of those steps. Um, I was like, I'm a young, healthy man. I, you know, I think it just makes sense. And it was you appealing know, to you. Yeah. Appealing, you know, maybe sense of duty, you know, just as a, a man for my country. Did um, you have family members <clears throat> or people that you knew that had served in the military? I did not. Uh, my, my, my stepbrother, Darren, actually, 
has signed up for the Marine Corps as well. But I had that thought separate from his plans. Um, and I actually like, even whenever he was going through like his, like his Marine Corps, like, like planning, like when I got the, the call from a recruiter myself, like it was like just a direct thing with the Marine recruiter myself. It wasn't because of my brother. Okay. Um, other than that, I knew my, uh, I had one uncle who was in the air force for four years and then my grandpa, um, he was in Korea in the army, but I didn't really know much about his, his story with that. So like, it wasn't really an influence on me necessarily either. So do you think that, um, that your, your openness or your excitement to go into the military, was that, was that maybe, maybe even the back in your, of your mind, a way to get out of the party lifestyle and the drug culture that you were in? Um, I don't think so. No, no, <laughs> no, not really. Uh, cause I, I mean, I had the thought before I ever smoked weed. I mean, I, oh. that was, that was, um, that was ninth grade. I, I didn't really start actually getting high until I was in 10th grade, uh, and really chasing that whole party life. Um, yeah, so I'd say they're mostly separate. I'm mean, excited to join the Did Marine you, Corps, and then I was still getting high in the military too. <laughs> oh, so you just brought so, brought the addiction in? Oh, so just right in with me. Yeah, they thought yeah, I was yeah. changed. I got you. <laughs> <laughs> so did you did you start to see um, negative effects in your life uh, as a result of of getting high and doing oh, drugs and stuff? Of course, yeah, yeah. I'd gotten in a good bit of trouble. Um, I barely graduated high school. Uh, the, um, well, I guess if I back up a step, so the end of the, towards the end of my junior year, there's a kid I got, we were, we were driving home to my house from his house. Cause I had the weed at my house and he was, he made a, he made a water bottle bong while we were driving and a cop started following us. And so instead of driving up towards my house, I was trying to drive out of the township to like you know, go, go out of the cops district. And he pulled us over just before that. And, uh, yeah, I got hit with that. So we had paraphernalia, I had papers, but I didn't have any actual drugs on me, but they still hit me just as hard for all the drug paraphernalia. Um, got taken, you know, arrested at, I was like 16 mm. and I got arrested, taken down to the station. My mom had to pick me up, got, got you screamed at by my dad. It was, it was bad. Um, then had to do like probate, uh, I guess it was kind of like probation, but it wasn't as heavy because of my first, first offense. Um, and so I, but I had a, I had a probation officer that I had to, you know, meet with for like three months. Uh, I had to, you know, pee in a cup every so often and all that. And then, um, had to do some, uh, what do you call it? Um, community service at a morgue. Oh, that's interesting. Where I don't want to go. Right. <laughs> yeah. But, um, oh, so were were you rehabilitated or did you go back to it? Right. <laughs> <laughs> you know, a slap on the wrist doesn't always do you right. You got to go back for more. <laughs> <laughs> so, yeah, I go back right to it, man. And um, I mean, I guess you just learn how to not do it as bad the next time. Right. You just I'm not going to. Well, no, I still had stuff in my car. I mean, I don't think any, anything changed after about six months. Right. So now it's now we're into the senior year and um, I'm probably just as bad. And the very end of senior year, I'm about to leave for the for boot camp the next month, about to graduate, go to prom, all that stuff. And um, and then I was kind of like getting rid of my stuff because I was like, I'm leaving for the Marine Corps. I don't want to be smoking weed anymore. I want to clean my system out. And. I'm in math class right before lunch and I got called down to the principal's office and I'm like, Oh crap, what's this about? And I get, I walk in and they said, Mr. Young, the assistant principal wants to see you in the back. I said, okay. So I'm walking in, I turn the corner. He says, Mr. Coin, why don't you, why don't you sit down and shut the door? I was like, and so I, I do, as he said, <clears throat> so two weeks before that, I guess I, I had sold, just a little bit of weed to this kid, Scott, in my math class, the same class I just got called down where I was sitting. And looking back now, like that kid wasn't in that math class. And I didn't even think of it. I didn't even think of it at all. I just knew he was missing one of the last math classes of the year. 
And, um, but he sat right next to me and I sold him. It was like two, two and a half grams of weed. It was like just something basic, like 10 or 15 bucks. Like it was, and I'm sitting in the, in the principal's office and now he starts to lay it out. He says, Mr. Coyne, there was a young man down at the other, at the other, um, at the other high school who got, uh, caught with marijuana. He said he bought it from Scott Malik. Scott Malik said that he bought it from you, Trevor, Trevor Coyne. Did you sell Scott Malik marijuana? Do you feel that pause? Uh-huh. That, that two second pause was all I had to respond. And I want to write a book on this. I'm serious. I, I've like, I've had some notes on this for a while. That two seconds I had to make a decision and I knew there was something in me and I think it was just God in me. I knew that telling the truth was better than a lie. Hmm. In that very moment, had I lied and I would and then try to get out of it, I had my car uh, in the parking lot. In my car, I had papers, I had blunt wrap, I had a lighter, I had you know cigars, whatever. I don't think I had any weed, but I had all the paraphernalia, kind of similar to last time. And in that moment, and I wasn't thinking about my car, I wasn't thinking about that. I just knew, Trevor, if you tell the truth, it's better than a lie. And I told the truth. I said, yes, it was me. I'm guilty. And thank God I did, because his next question was, what, Trevor, do, uh, do you have your vehicle with you? And I said, yes, I do. He's like, we want to search it. I said, very good. I'll give you all my stuff, whatever I have. And I let them search the car. I, get, I gave them all, the, all my paraphernalia, all my mess. And he was able to work with me because of that. The principal then after that, because Mr. Young had met with uh, the principal, Mr. Siminski, uh, prior to that, obviously, before dealing with me. And they had they in their meeting they made the decision if trevor tells us the truth we'll let him go to the marine corps and maybe the marine corps will fix him if he lies to us we have no options he's expelled and we you know we turn him into the authorities you know it and and he goes about his business with whatever the the you know the law determines and so because i told the truth and i came clean i was able to graduate i was able to go to the Marine Corps. And now my life to this very day has led me to here. Had I lied in that moment, my life would not be the same. I, you know, and I don't know, I mean, God could have saved me and done something different, but telling the truth, man, the spirit uh, of God was moment, in me huh? enough to, to, you know what? The truth is better than a lie. And so well, it's pretty miraculous that you had that realization in that moment. Um, was, because the knee-jerk reaction would be to to cover up the sin. Oh yeah, but uh, absolutely. You know, just like Adam in the garden, but uh, but you didn't do that, and yeah, you, you had good consequences as a result. Yeah. What's really funny then later, <clears throat> so I couldn't go to prom, couldn't walk at graduation though. Still consequences of the sin, right? Just like all sin, there's still consequence, but the truth will still be better. So fast forward now, I am at uh, my cousin's graduation party just like five or six years ago. And so I'm, you know, I'm saved. I'm living up here again. I'm going to the church here. And um, my cousin uh, and this family lives like maybe 30 minutes north of here, but it's, it's, it's kind of like uh, 15 or 20 minutes north of where I went to high school. And so um, just between, between all the mess that had happened, my grandma side, side note, my grandma was a school, was a school teacher for many years at another, at another school district, um, like about an hour away, but she's, you know, she's a teacher. She knows people. And, uh, because of my whole fiasco, she had, no, she had gotten to know some of the people along with my mom, you know, meeting the principal and different things. So at my grad, at my cousin's grad party, um, my grandma comes up to me and says, Hey, someone, someone just got here. I think you, I uh, think, you know, and it was Mr. Siminski, Mr. Walt Siminski. And I had no idea that him and my uncle with, with my uncle's family, they, they go to the same church. Wow. And so I got to like connect with my uncle now or my, uh, my old principal who, who had to deal with me all those years later. And now I found out I'm a Christian. I'm living for God, you know, my life after the Marine Corps, 
And um, it was just kind of like the one of those like those cool moments, you know, where you see God bringing the whole story together. Wow, that's and then, amazing. Uh, another year or two later, my cousin got my other cousin her uh, the one of the cousins, you know, older sister got married, and so he was, you know, the principal was there at, at her wedding, and so he got to meet my dad and my grandpa, and we, me and, and me and Walt both got to share both sides of the story with my dad and my grandpa. And so it was just like, wow. you know, here's the whole story, you know, crazy drug dealer, Trevor, you know, now I'm saved living for God. You know, I've, I've come through the Marine Corps and even the Marine Corps really didn't fix me. It's Jesus. And so that's what I was getting to preach. So it was really cool. Wow. That is cool. <laughs> so, so uh, talk about your decision uh, to, to go in and you, you're, you're going to graduate high school and you go straight, straight to boot camp after that uh yeah 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 so literally the technical like last day i think was like june 10th or 11th um so the boot camp was like july 11th that i shipped out um so there's still plenty of time for me to still be stupid in between there <laughs> but i didn't i didn't get a uh i didn't get messed up there well boot camp i still messed myself up but um yeah, so it was about a month after. Okay. Um, yeah, you probably want me to so, tell that, but that this point, okay, I'll tell it. I'll tell it. Yeah, let's hear it. <laughs> so I'm not smoking weed now, but I was still smoking this fake weed stuff called Spice. You know, a lot of people like one of those. One of the names is like K2, but a lot of kids started smoking it around whenever I was graduating high school, and it was becoming really popular. And it's still out there. I'm I'm sure people kids are still smoking it, but it's like worse than weed because it's like it's fake, it's synthetic. Uh, it's made in a lab of just certain chemical compositions and there could be anything in it. And then it's sprayed on like just any plant substrate. So I was making it, I was dissolving it in acetone. Um, you know, then you spray it on a plant, it, it evaporates for 48 hours as it cures, but it still has like, and I, after some more research, I found out there's still like a residue left behind from the acetone that can kill you. And I'm smoking this and I'm selling this to kids. Anyhow, that was part of the craziness. Um, but I was still smoking that stuff before I went to boot camp, but not weed because I thought maybe weed's better than whatever. And so, you know, I it won't I won't get caught. You know, that was my thought. But I I, I, I ratted myself out because in boot camp, like the first night, they keep you up all night the first night. And then that next morning, they had like the, the hour of truth. And like you're 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 sleep deprived, you're dead tired. And they're, they're just beating fear into you. And uh, in that moment, they're, the moment of truth, they're trying to find out if there's anything you didn't that you lied about. If you've mm -hmm. sold drugs, we're going to find out. If you've smoked weed or done any drugs in the last, you know, seven years and you haven't told us, we're going to find out. And I was so scared that I was like, I, I, I did it. I, I did it. <laughs> I was smoking spice. And they didn't actually care. You know, they didn't kick me out for it. But but I had a $4,000 bonus that was tied to my recruitment and I lost it. Wow. And so, um, it was like one of those moments where you're like, you know, I probably want to be, I've even got, get, gotten caught, but I was like, this whole truth is better than a lie thing. I don't want to, I don't want to go down, <laughs> you know? Yeah. Um, right, right. They say righteousness is expensive in your case, right. quite literally. <laughs> yeah. Um, and so that was, uh, well, I, I guess that wasn't the end of my mess, but and just another piece of it. Right. <laughs> um, but yes, yeah, so that was yeah, July 11th, you know, you know, flew down to North Carolina or South Carolina, um, for boot camp and started that journey. Okay. And so, so uh, what, what did you get out of, uh, your experience in the Marine Corps? Hmm. So a few things I got would, I, I would say is, uh, really learning how to push things through. And um, I still struggle with that, right? At times, ADD kind of thing, but it's not an excuse. Um, uh, having the, the mindset to serve, you know, leadership, you know, isn't just about, oh, I'm the leader. No, it's about serving people. It's about laying down your life for your nation, for your friend, for your brother, you know, the guy next to you in the trench. Um, 
you know, like there's a, like these buddy, buddy pair drills in the Marine Corps, right? You know, they, I'm up, they see me, I'm down and you're laying down, suppressing fire while, while the other guy gets up and moves forward and takes a position. Then he starts laying down, suppressing fire while the next guy gets up and moves forward again, but you're covering your buddy's butt the whole time. And so, um, some of those dynamics and, and, uh, like sharpening that, you know, cause I, I mean, I love people, you know, I've always been a people person, but it's more about the party and it was more about just like, how could we have fun together? You know, not so much like really serving to the point of like willing to give your life for a friend. Um, and then, um, you know, part of the Marine Corps, uh, one of their mottos is like improvise, adapt and overcome. And I think they have that motto because they're broke and they got to make do with like less. Um, <laughs> because like the government still doesn't want to give like the Marine Corps money and they live on the Navy scraps, but we do more with less. Um, but it provides adapt and overcome. And so it's like, you know what? Life is going to change. There's going to be obstacles. There's going to be things that, that, that happen. And you're going to have to learn how to, how to dodge, duck, dive, right? Juke and how to be agile, how to be, um, how to endure, right? And, um, you know, my pastor always preached that kind of stuff. Cause it's like, you got to learn how to make it right. Um, you know, when things, when, when the tide goes out, you got to still be standing. Wow. So, um, did, did you have a particular specialty or, or what was, what was your job? Uh, I was SATCOM maintenance. So I worked on like satellites, radios, um, particularly it was like a, this big, um, like microwave, um, it's like a microwave type of signal, but it, it sends up to 100 miles and it bounces off the atmosphere. Um, so I went to North, uh, I went to California for my schoolhouse training, Southern Cali, uh, 29 Palms, and so I was there for nine months. Um, so it took like basic electronics course, and then uh, like they call it a digital wideband repair course. So wideband is like that microwave frequency band, um, but specifically on this particular piece of equipment that like just massive, you know, massive radio device. Um, so a lot of circuit boards and wires and cabling and signal flow and power. And so, um, you know, kind of cool. I mean, learning all that stuff, cause it, it really led into, you know, my skill set today and my, my work that I do now that, um, definitely helped me. So. Nice. So, uh, <clears throat> eventually your career, uh, in the Marine Corps took you to good old cherry point in Havelock, yeah. North Carolina. Mm-hmm. So, uh, how, how did you get there and what was your experience there? Um, so getting there, I uh, took a plane. No, I didn't I actually drove. <laughs> no, no. So, um, you know, they had, they gave us a few options from, from the schoolhouse. Like if you want to go, uh, Japan, West coast, East coast. So East coast was my first option that I picked. Cause I was like, I'd like to be closer to home if I could. Um, and so I got it. And so cherry point was where they set me. Um, and then it was actually cool. Me and my dad, uh, took like a really good, just father son time. Um, I had a O2 Camaro at the time and we loaded it to the gills with all my stuff. And, uh, we drove cross country from, from California. And so that was super cool. Um, you know, getting to just see, you know, grand Canyon and, uh, the plains, you know, after you pass Colorado or Colorado, it's, there's just nothing. Um, and that's half the journey, but, uh, you know, we got to, you know, see, see a lot of the country out there in the West. Um, and then coming to cherry point, it was like, where am I? <laughs> <laughs> right. Like, you know, I was already out in North Carolina whenever I did the, uh, the, the, uh, the combat training for the month. And so I was kind of like back in that place, but it was like, you know, and it's it's funny because in Havelock in the Walmart, there's a shirt that says, "Where in the world is is Havelock, North Carolina?" <laughs> it's funny because it's like this small town. Every, every Marine asks the same question. Right, right, yeah. Where is this <laughs> this city? Because they put us on the backside of the world. Um. Uh, but it was cool. I mean, because you know, hey, it's it's the coast, so I lived up the Crystal Coast a little bit. Um you know, getting to see the beach and, you know, there was actually a hurricane that came in. And so as the hurricane was coming in, I went to the beach, you know, I, I went, I was like in the eye of the hurricane as it hit the, the, um, the beach one time. It was, it was fun. <laughs> if you want to live, <laughs> well, I mean, if you want to 
Well, I guess if you want to live, you don't go there. But if you want to, <laughs> if you want to live, <laughs> but yeah, I had fun. Um, but it was, you know, destiny too, because here it is, small little town, and um, I find a church that's preaching Jesus, man, and I get saved. Yeah. You know, that year later, and um, what's funny too is just like with our fellowship, because had I not, had I stayed in like Twenty Nine Palm, you know, and I just happened to not meet anybody from the church whenever I was there, um. You know, had I been in San Diego, guess what? <laughs> Another 30 churches there. You know, had I been in Japan, I'm, well, I don't know how our churches are, are, are over there, but, um, you know, I just, yeah, God knows. So, so yeah. uh, I'm guess I'm, I'm curious, what was your spiritual condition at this time? Like, were you, um, were you seeking God in any way or did, did it just kind of, I mean, happen? I, I was like religious. I don't know how you describe, I mean, cause my whole mixed bag, just everything I've described already. Cause I, I was, uh, when I, when I got invited out the, the second time, uh, I was going to a celebrate recovery group cause I was trying to meet people, right. My network marketing business, I was trying to build, so I'm trying to recruit people. So I was going to the celebrate the recovery, recovery group. group? <laughs> I was going to the celebrate recovery group, not because I needed recovery. I was like going there to meet people. And then I, was me and this guy that I met out, out in town, uh, Ray, awesome dude, just never came to church. But uh, me and him visited a Methodist church once, and I was going to the church on base every now and then. But I, like, looking back, I remember, like, going there, like, hungover. And, like, I just knew something wasn't quite right. But I'm fine. I'm good. I, I ask forgiveness, and I'm, I'm forgiven, right? And, uh, and I... I don't think I ever gave like, you know, I gave 20, one time I remember giving $20. Oh man, I was super spiritual, man. I was like, man, God is just so grateful of me, you know? And, um, I was just like a religious kid and yet, you know, parting it up. And then I just felt like I could justify it by asking for forgiveness the next day. You know, I, I really believed the lie at one point. I think I was in high school at the time. I'm like, it was like, I thought it was a revelation, but it was straight from hell. I thought, man, I could sleep with this girl and then tell her about Jesus in the morning. And I thought that was from God, man. I, I was that twisted at a point that um, I could come to that conclusion. And I thought it was like from God, I can have both and I'm okay. And that's what's so dangerous about like, just like being lukewarm, man, where it's like that state I was in. Um, you know, there's definitely points in that, that like year, year and a half, um, you know, as I was getting to the, to the base and just kind of getting settled in with the Marine Corps life and partying still, and then playing the church game where I, uh, <clears throat> I remember like, like, you know, if you said the word searching out, but like, just like researching other things and, you know, oh, well this, you know, the son of God and then the sun, you know, the sun sets and the, like these other religions that talk about all, all kinds of uh, fake, fake Christs. And, um, you know, there were some points I was like, I was getting so distant from God that I, I, I was starting to doubt his truth <clears throat> and everything the Bible talks about. And I was starting to believe other things. And so, yeah, it was definitely a dangerous point. Yeah. So, so Trevor, um, I think that, uh, one of the reasons why we get caught in that little loop, uh, why many people do, of, of wanting to, you know, still still being caught in sin, but still having some kind of uh, religious uh, you know, flavor yeah. and thinking, thinking. So I, I think one of the reasons why that happens is because uh, we don't have a revelation of who God is, and therefore we don't think that sin is serious. Yeah. Uh, you you see that in the Bible when when somebody has a revelation of the holiness of God, then that's when they also get the the revelation of the wickedness of sin. Mm. So it you know the more that God reveals Himself to you, the more you will understand how uh, how dangerous and how deadly sin actually is. You yeah. see that with Isaiah, right? Yeah. So I saw the Lord high and lifted up. He had this vision of of God as holy and righteous. And immediately, almost without, without, uh, it's, it's like he's automatically begins professing his wickedness and my lips are unclean and I live among a people of, of unclean lips. And, right, and right. that those two revelations go together, God's holiness and my wickedness. And I think, um, 
people who who tend to be more religious uh, and you 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 know tell me if if this was your experience also but it's because you have a superficial view of god like you don't really understand his holiness and his power and his ability to judge and so therefore sin is something you can play with yeah yeah because you make you almost make god like subjective i think would be the term right where you know, and this is what people I think always do is they make they make God in their own image, right? So I, yeah. you know, I bring God down. I bring God down to my level. Yeah. But like you said, Isaiah, I saw God high and lifted up. No, it's not you that can make God. No, when you really see who God is, you know, having a revelation that's definitely that's definitely key. And that's something I need, I need to just pray for for some of my folks, where it's like when they get a real revelation, like even my mom, and my stepdad. When they get a revelation of who God really is, his holiness, like you said, that's powerful. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, somewhere along the way, you had that revelation and you, <clears throat> you had some initial contact with the church. Uh, yep. And then you were you, you were concerned about <laughs> cleaning bathrooms. <laughs> yeah. And uh, so, so so talk about that a little bit. Like, what, what was your resistance? You, was it you were just you weren't um, you weren't ready to, like, surrender your life or something? So the whole cleaning the bathroom thing, I think it was just, um, yeah, it's probably you know partially surrender. Because uh, if you, you're looking back to where I still had my own uh, plans, my own agenda, like I was too good to clean the bathroom. I was too good to like do a lowly task, um, you know, because I'm, I'm going to be this big network marketing, you know, millionaire business guy one day. So um, maybe that was just part of my pride. And so because um, when I. I spent, and especially when I got that word from Tony Chase and man, like, and it rocked me because I knew what God was saying and where God was, where God's finger was pointing. And it was, wasn't the bathroom. He's pointing at my heart and needing to just surrender and do whatever God wants. And, um, and, uh, you know, we could talk about the other point later, but you know, whenever I, you know, came up to Pittsburgh, how God changed me, at, you know, later on, but yeah. Okay, so when you get this word from evangelist Tony Chase, and he he, uh, the word is um, you need to man up, you need to yeah. take responsibility, you need to do what's right. So h- how did you interpret that, and what what was your what was your next step? Yeah, it was just you know the um, you know specifically you need to man up, you need to step up, and so this was literally the week before I was going to be getting out of the Marine Corps and moving back. Well, I was, all, I think it was actually already technically separated um, from my active service at this point. Um, I'd taken a, they had like a, an offer to, to get out like a few months early up to three or four months early. And so I had already completed. Um, I think, you know, after 36, after three years, you know, you've, you know, that's like, you know, full required active service. And then, um, so I got out three or four months early of the four year mark. And so, um, I was already, I was already set to, um, basically move back to Pittsburgh and I was going to be plugging in with the church up here with pastor Jeff O'Brien. And so I, um, other things that, you know, I had, um, coordinated, I, I, I wanted to live for God. I wanted to stay saved. You know, I, I didn't want to backslide. So I reached out to my past, you know, my pastor now up here, um, and let it, this was actually now October of uh, October of 2014. I found some emails. I, I was doing some research a couple of years ago, and I'd found emails that I'd sent to my new, my pastor now, saying, "Pastor, uh, I'm getting out of the Marine Corps. I'm planning to move back to Pittsburgh. I found your church, um, you know, online. I want to come visit. Uh, I'm getting out of the Marine Corps. I don't want to backslide. I want to live for God. God's called me, and so." Uh, you know, following that, you know, I got to meet him, connect with him. So then fast forward now, it's like April of 2015 and Pastor Tony or Evangelist Tony Chase is preaching that revival for us in Havelock. <clears throat> and I'd already, you know, made the connections up in Pittsburgh and, um, you know, part of, you know, really just being solid to connect in the fellowship was, you know, I'd really caught that I want to be planted in the fellowship. Um, you know, some people, they get out of the Marine Corps and they go back to, uh, their old life because they're like, Oh, I'll just find a church somewhere out there. There's plenty of churches. Well, man, like there are, but you gotta be really careful with your salvation and what God has done and begun in your life. 
and and I knew where God planted me and where I wanted to flourish. <clears throat> and and those other churches I visited, whenever I, whenever I was lukewarm in my past, I knew what God had here was more than I'd ever seen or witnessed in all these other you know religious gatherings I'd been a part of. You know, good or bad. I mean, the Baptist church, man, I got saved there as a teenager. My dad still there, loves God. But I, 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 I experienced more in this fellowship just in that short time that I didn't want to leave. Um, you know, just the power of God being filled with the Holy Ghost and and seeing the actual expression of God's power at work. You know, that was something whenever I first got saved at the concert scene, man, I, I remember sitting there hearing people testify and I'm going like, wow, these people like and I finally understand that, they're, you know, it's a Christian event. But I was like, these people aren't just talking about Jesus and then doing something else like they're living for God. And like their testimonies, like it was like, man, I want that. I like I, I've, I've talked about it. I know about, you know, Jesus, but I'm not living out that expression. I don't have what they have. And, um, you know, when I was just backslid in my heart and, and, you know, the appeal for the backslide, it was really, you know, got me to surrender because I was like, wow, I'd never heard that. Uh, you know, Baptists, you know, we didn't they never preached that to me. I never heard being a backslid away from God. And I identified with that, man, because I I was a backslider, man. I was away from God. I was not living right. I knew that I had sin in my life. And really identifying that, like you said, with, you know, understanding God's holiness is that, man, man, I am a sinner, man. And my my, you know, my righteousness are as filthy rags and my little playing games. And, oh, I'll pray in the morning, man. No, it's not going to cut it on Judgment Day. <laughs> and um, and so. Tony Chase preaches, you know, Pastor uh, Tony Chase preaches that revival. And so kind of sealing in, right, that, you know, this this transition, you know, like a year and a half period where, um, you know, I'm getting discipled now and I'm really hearing the word of God. I'm not fully surrendered yet, you know, to ministry, but God's working on my heart. And so when I, I heard that word and now moving back to Pittsburgh, right? So I, my response was now in, in me moving back to Pittsburgh. And when I got there now, I'm planning in with Pastor, my, with Pastor Jeff O'Brien. And very quickly, um, there was things that happened in the church where, where there was like a key family that left up here. And it was either I fill in the gap and I step up or there's a, or there's a gap. And there's, there's ministries that aren't, you know, like there's no one that's going to run the sound and the computer. There's no one that's going to be taking offering because at the, you know, there was, I mean, there was other guys that, you know, some people that helped with certain things, but there's gaps that, you know, three, four months into me being in the church there, you know, and I told my pastor, I said, Hey, pastor, I'm called. You know, I, I felt, you know, the, I remember being at the conference in Jacksonville, North Carolina. I think it was, I think it was like that March of that year, 2015. And I remember watching the conference video the Thursday night and just like, I felt the calling of God. And so I told my pastor that now I'm in, it's May of 2015, Pastor Jeff. And I'm like, I'm, I, I'm called to the ministry. I know, you know, God has dealt with me. And so he gave me the opportunity. It's like, well, hey, do you, you know, here's here's the next step. You know, you know, if you're if you're called, you know, you need to be in prayer. You need to be uh, availing yourself to the ministry and the things of God. And so, you know, I. I began to man up. If it meant clean the bathroom, cool, you know, no problem. You know, if it means you know, opening up the church or whatever, right? Um, you know, straightening the chairs, vacuuming the floor, like, hey, you know what? You need to, there's some roles you need to play, you know, outreach, right? So. so and what, what I've observed is that when people have that breakthrough, when people, you know, we say it like this, we say when people get it. <laughs> yeah, yeah. That there's, there's, it's not only that you can become useful and begin to fulfill your calling, but also it's like, it's like there is a release of God's joy and presence in your life. Like, okay, oh, this yeah. is what it's all about. Did, did you experience that? Absolutely, man. I mean, you know, even, even, uh, you know, even now, I mean, similarly, it's like it, sometimes you, there's four of you in church or seven, you know, and it's, you know, you're still pioneer church and it's like, you know, like last night, you know, we didn't have a lot of people. And then, you know, back, back then, whenever I was first getting locked in the church up here and it was like, Hey man, the joy of the Lord, man, when, when you're worshiping God, 
And, and if you're involved or you're just in church, but like, you know, you're doing what God wants you to do in that moment and you're giving your all, there's a peace and there's a joy that, that like the world can't give, you know, that only God gives you. Right. And, um, yeah, it's awesome. <laughs> that sounds amazing. Yeah. So um, there, there's still a lot of story to tell here. There, at some point, there's going to be a, a Mrs. Coin. Uh, at some yeah. point here, you're going to make a decision to uh, take over your your church, and uh, while your pastor goes out to pioneer, I'd like to hear a little bit more about that. Yeah. Uh, but we're going to save the rest of this conversation till the second half of the show. We're going to leave that for our premium subscribers. Uh, we want to encourage all of our listeners right now to uh, follow the links below if you'd like to hear the rest of. Pastor Trevor's story here been very inspiring and in what God can do. Um, if you are inspired by this and encouraged, would encourage you to pass it on to somebody. Uh, maybe you know somebody who's struggling with the will of God or coming out of the military and not knowing exactly what to do next. Uh, th this will encourage people. So I want to encourage you to share it with somebody and uh, and hit the subscribe button. Uh, when you subscribe, uh, the premium subscription, uh, what that does is. Uh, You'll begin to pay uh, three to, three bucks a month. What you get for that is daily sermons from around the fellowship. You will also get full-length Testimony Tuesdays, and you'll get to hear the rest of this uh, testimony right uh, as soon as you hit the button. So, And then the other awesome thing about that is everything that you, uh, every every dollar goes to world evangelism. We, we do not keep anything for ourselves. And for our listeners, we, we want to encourage you to hit that subscribe button. And for those of you who are subscribers, we will see you on the other side of this break. Thank you.